its influence for a new normal. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. And raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Holy Spirit, we ask for your illumination this morning. We ask that as you so faithfully do, you, you, you find us in the passages of your word and you interact with us and you, you bring alive things that we're We're needing to be made aware of, and you're revealing yourself to us. Father, reveal your word to us. Jesus, we want to see you this morning. We ask that you would be miraculous for us this morning, God. There are lame here in in many different categories. We ask for the miracle of healing to take place today. Please, God, we... We look for you. We're leaning into you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you've uh, heard or read about the author Malcolm Gladwell. He's written a few books about just kind of analyzing culture, analyzing what happens around us and why things happen around us. His latest book called Outliers is the story of success. So he's looking for who are the successful people, why are they successful? And he tells the story of two individuals, one uh, you know very well, Bill Gates, the other one, Bill Joy, who most all the computer nerds here uh, would go, ooh, Bill Joy, he's really cool. He is. Uh, And as you look at their stories of how they became uh, who they are to the technological, to the, the tech world, to the computer science realm, Uh, Things that Bill Joy did in the early 80s is still used today. Remember the search engine Java, the JavaScript? He came up with that, which is now embedded in a lot of the search engines that we still use. So how did he get started? What was the story of his success? Well, in 1971, he showed up at the University of Michigan at 16 years old. So he's smart, one. That's his. (laughs) He's there to study sciences or math. He couldn't figure it out. It's his first semester, fall semester. And as he's walking by, he he walks past a new computer room building. 
It was bright white. <laughs> it's the days when computers filled rooms. Couldn't put them in your pocket <laughs> like we do every day. They're filling rooms. He walks by. He's intrigued. He starts asking questions. And then he finds out it's a new computer science lab. And Michigan had done something a little different. They didn't have the cards that you would punch out. This is like movies for the young ones. It's movies that you saw. They bring cards to the computer terminal. The person there would feed the cards in. You'd have to wait. Only one person could use the room-filled computer at a time. Well, Michigan learns about something called time sharing, where you can use your telephone wire to connect to the mainframe in order to have real-time activity with the computer to find out, will this program work? Do I have to wait a week to find it out? No, I can wait a few seconds now. And up to 100 people at a time could use the computer. That was special. Well, Bill Joy starts figuring out this is fun stuff to do. And he goes in and would spend uh, normally 24 hours in the computer lab. And Michigan, what the University of Michigan, they would give everybody time cards and, and you would pay, prepay for the time cards in essence. Uh, stuff that we use all the time is gift cards, yeah. Well, they used that then, and they had a time card that you would, it would deduct the time, so you, times would be up. Well, then one genius figures out a bug in the system that if you put T equals a letter, you could stay on and it didn't charge you. So they would go in there and say T equals K, and then they, they could stay on for hours and hours and hours and hours. He said it was their biggest fear that they wouldn't show up at class for a final exam because they were in the computer lab over and over and over. Over and over and over again. He goes out to Cal Berkeley, starts Sun Microsystems, and we benefit from everything. So Malcolm Gladwell is asking the question, how did this start? And he boils it down to one thing. And similar story with Bill Gates, but it boils down to one thing. He had, Bill Joy had the opportunity, and he took advantage of it. He just so happened to be at Michigan at the right time, walking past the building, intrigued about it, and then jumped right in. It was regular but it was an opportunity. For us, as we're looking through the book of Acts, and as we're looking, as we learned last week, there's a, a component of awe that we want to have in the Christian life. We want to experience, not just reading about, but have experiences, maybe not even 20 years ago, but experiences that are ongoing in our lives to build upon the gospel declaration to us and through us. We want this. We want awe. But awe needs opportunity. And we have opportunity even today. Opportunity happens in the regular of life. Check out Peter and John, first verse. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. 3 p.m., it was a habit. Prayer was regular. Now, I have to say this part about this passage. Prayer sets up the rest of what's going to happen here. Prayer sets up Peter and John not just walking a regular time of prayer. They're used to it. Regular temple gathering. They're showing up with the regular people all there. They're seeing everything. Nobody's noticing Peter and John from just maybe a few days prior, uh, the day of Pentecost, where thousands are getting saved at the same time, where Peter's the one declaring the gospel to them. They're not looking at Peter. So everything's gone back to regular. Everything's gone back to ordinary. He's walking along regular gathering, regular lame man. We learn from these first few verses that it was the habit 
of people to pick him up and put him by the beautiful gate. They put him by the beautiful gate because it was the biggest and the most beautiful. It had bronze all around it. So more traffic, he was able to ask for more money as people were going in. There's a regularity of what's going on. But I think prayer sets up Peter and John pausing and looking at him and not just walking by. There are regular people in our lives, very regular people in our lives that we oftentimes walk straight past. Just, just maybe not paying attention. I, I personally would go back to, are we sensitive enough to the spirits moving in us? Are we sensitive enough to the discernment that the spirit is bringing into us to pause and to consider? Lord, are you stirring something in my heart? Am I supposed to ask a question to this person? I mean, I'm talking about regular, like the, the bank tellers that you frequent and the grocery store clerks that you frequent. I'm talking about regularity in our lives that we pass right on. Because we're maybe in a hurry. Does God have those regular people in your life on purpose? Yes. A resounding yes. What we have to then do in those regular moments is be available. Because opportunity needs availability. Are we available to the Spirit's work? Are we leaning into it in a way that says, Lord, I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm listening. I, I want to know what you're doing. I, so, a couple weeks ago, uh, just as we're going through this series, just sensed in my own heart, God, I'm not, I'm not soaked enough is really the word that came out. The kind of that's how I was feeling last week when Keith preached that. I thought, that's the word I needed. I'm not soaked like I want to be, like I want to feel. And so I began turning the radio, not just to the Christian station, but off. To be able to say, Lord, I'm listening. What are you saying? What are you doing? I'm listening. And I want to tune things out in order to be of enough ears to where I can, because I think the Lord speaks. The opportunity that the Lord provides us needs for us to be available. The discernment has to come within the ordinary things of life. Look back in chapter 2, verse 42 of Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Devoted, soaked in. Committed to the things that God's saying, if you're into these things, you're going to sense me. And you're going to feel me. And you're going to experience me. And there's a purpose that he wants us to experience that. But here, there's a devotion to the regular things. That God, that God says these are regular, but our experience of them is to not, to be, not uh, become so casual that we lose this, the, the sensation or the, the experience of who God is in that moment and how he's declaring himself through teaching and doctrine, how he's declaring himself through fellowship, how he's declaring himself through the breaking of bread, communing together, and the prayers. He's using all of it. Why? You can turn quickly to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. 
God is maturing his church, and he wants us to be something. He wants us to live something. I think part of the, the difficulty in our culture is that we, we have around us a culture that wants to take the divinity out of Jesus. Because when you take, when, when Jesus is just a man, then Jesus is just okay with me, right? But if you have a divine Jesus, you know what he experience? Judgment. Because you know he's the judge, and you know that by saying his name, there's a different feel in the room than when you're just talking about God. What, is, what, what do we feel in that? We feel there's a reckoning of my soul to you based on who you've been. I, we have a, a, a little precious moments nativity scene in our front yard that somebody gave us years ago, and we still use and the light bulb for baby Jesus went out this year. And I couldn't find another white one, so I put in this clear one, but I didn't know it blinked. And so now we have a blinking baby Jesus in the front yard. It just, it's really funny. <laughs> but we can look at nativity scenes, and we can just see a human. When we look at those, we need to be reminded. Of course, it's just, it's, eerie, it's a little eerie. That's precious moments. It's kids having a kid. That's a little weird in and of itself. But do we see God come to us as a babe? Listen to a song on the radio the other day. Mary rocks her Savior to sleep. Wow. We have a humble God. We have a humble God. But he is God in flesh, in the flesh. And he is looking to mature us. He is looking for us to look at him and know something about him to where there's progression in our lives. And we're increasing in the knowledge of who he is to where we become mature. We learn in Ephesians to mature manhood as the body of Christ. Look at what the author of Hebrews describes. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Check that. We are to be practicing something as the people of God. We're to be practicing discernment and practicing the power that comes with that discernment. So having that knowledge, go back to Acts chapter 3. We have Peter and John walking through verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. There's, I think there's an enormous work of the Spirit-empowered discernment happening to say now is an opportunity. And Peter and John are available. And they're saying, I'll, I'll lean into this. I'll... Holy Spirit, I'll look for you. They weren't, as we a lot of times are, they weren't too busy to be available. They didn't hurry past the lame man looking for maybe something bigger, more people, more significant people, to where they could receive a little weird reward from all that plays in. They weren't too busy to be available, and they were not too defeated to be available. 
I have to remind you of Luke chapter 9, verse 40. A man comes to Jesus, and it's, he's got a demon-possessed son. He brings him to Jesus. Jesus, can you please heal my son? This, this demon grabs a hold of him and, and shakes him around. He convulses and foams at the mouth and throws himself down on the ground. I asked your disciples if they could do it, but they could not. Who are the disciples? Let's not make the disciples some nebulous thing. Let's put faces and names to them. Peter and John, perhaps. I asked Peter and John to cast it out. They couldn't do it. Peter and John were not so defeated by men. Didn't work. Never doing that again. That's not going to happen. I will not. They were not, they were not using the excuses. Even some, some that we find in the Bible, Moses using the, the the excuses before God of, no, it's not me, God, don't use me. I'm, I'm not eloquent enough, and I'm not smart enough. And, but we, we find ourselves in those things. We find that I don't have the gifting to really talk with somebody about the gospel. I don't have the intelligence of the Bible. I, I don't have the right words to say. I fumble over my own speech. And so I don't. Are you excusing yourself out of availability? Sinfully. John, Peter and John, were learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. But let's make sure that we don't look at Peter and John and make them more divine. <laughs> make them not human anymore. Well, that's Peter and John. I mean, they're the apostles. They saw Jesus. They, I mean, that, that tongue's of fire on the head. That, that's not me. I, I can't do that. What are we doing there? We have to be careful that we're not taking the apostles and making them something non-human. They're just not like me. And make sure that you take the people in your life, even in this church, that you would look at and say, man, you have a particular gifting that God is using, and it's great. That doesn't give us license to say, okay, I'll just watch you gift. I'll just stand back because it doesn't look like yours. We're not available. We're not available in those moments. We're not leaning in. We're not, we're not listening to the Spirit. Peter and John, they learned to listen to the Spirit follow his lead, and they took a risk again. I would encourage everybody uh, to read uh, in John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. Chapter 5 is a, ch is a chapter on risk. It, it, consider it a homework assignment if, if the, as the Lord leads you. Take time, read that. I, I read it, and I wanted to read the whole thing here, and that wouldn't serve us <laughs> because so much of it's oh, oh it's provoking am i living a life saying here I, in, in that chapter john piper talks about the mirage of safety we make think about it we make decisions in our lives to protect ourselves to provide more comfort and peace in essence to give us safety but that safety is a mirage the safety of oh, i'm going to stop at that red light and everybody else is going to stop that's a mirage. The safety of we don't control that. All the safety that we look for and we spend money toward and we work really hard toward, all the safety that we can conclude is right for us in this life is fake. It's a mirage. It's glimmering in the distance. And when you get near it, you don't see it anymore. Well, what was all that for? Why did I do all that? 
may we be a people that don't give in to the mirage of safety. Now, there's responsibility that we're supposed to have. We're supposed to pay bills. We're supposed to be responsible to provide for our families. We're supposed to be responsible to provide for the work of God and the kingdom by giving to the church. We're supposed to be responsible, so hear that, please. But on the other side, and I think that, that category translates because we're leaning upon a God who is invisible. You never want to do that, do you? <laughs> I can't see you, God. If I see you, sure, then I can lean against you because I know you're there. But the essence of faith in our lives and the component that God stirs in our lives is trust me. Trust me every moment and every step of your life. I will reveal to you the steps that you're to take. But we want to, can't you just text me, God, please, so I can see it? And I know for sure so you can feel safe or so you can know the joy of a faith-filled step in what God's calling you to do. May we not seek comfort in such a way that it robs our experience of the glory of God who calls us to live by faith every moment, every day. Because we're leaning upon a God who's invisible. And we, we want a God that when we push back on him, he's there. And there are categories that so many of you have faced. And we know in here, and even if you don't think you have faced it, you have. Because the moment that you say, God, please forgive me of my sins, you're leaning against God. Because you're saying he's able to. The moment you say, God, en enough of me living my life, enough of me calling the shots, God, I'm crying out to you. You're pushing against him. Can you see him? No. But he's there. He's real. And his presence is thick. This week I have been uh, just meditating on the life of Jacob. Jacob was a man that... His name, Israel, that's changed to, means he strives with God. It's not just, oh, it's a cute name. You're just going to be Israel now. No, it's you, you wrestled with God and you won. I'm not letting you go until you bless me, he told the man he wrestled with all night long. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Do we, I, do I relate to God that way? No, because I'm too comfortable. All I have is from God. So I'm not to be invested in the gifts that he gives that I see around me, whether it's the furniture and the house that I have or even the people that I have in my house that I love so dearly. When I invest myself completely in them and lose sight of who God is and the life he's calling me to be, the new normal, if I lose sight of that, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after a mirage. I'm chasing after something that glimmers like the heat on asphalt, just glimmers up and you get to it and you don't see it anymore. Are we willing to lean upon a God who's invisible. Many of you know my, my love for uh, biography and reading about missionaries, men and women of the faith who just love God. And they take risks. And they don't let failure come in the way or a perceived failure. They say, God, you called me to this, and I'm continuing on. 
stir me to want to take risks. Now, here is the awesome thing. We lean upon a God who's already revealed himself through his son, and we have power in his name. Look at those scriptures we have from John. John 14, 15, 16, awesome locker room moment for Jesus and his disciples. Here's what the game calls for, and here is the game plan. Go out and do it. John 14, verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Catch that. Our Savior, the game plan is whatever you ask in my name, not in, not in our own personal name, not in, in the name of Jeff, I would really like this because a lot of my prayers are like that. In Jesus' name, he will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, 22 to 24. In that day... You will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. God loves answering prayers for the experience that we get of his joy. Do we pray like that? Again, later in John 16... In that day you will ask in my name. And I do, not, I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. Another that feel the earthquake, the rumblings from this. In that day you will ask, you will ask in my name. And I don't say I'm going to ask him on your behalf. You get to. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. There is power in the name of Christ. And it's, it's, the, it's, not, it's not a magical, uh, a magical saying that we do. It's the faith that we have in Jesus himself that provides us the power in his name. John 16, 13. Uh, again, in this, in this verse, again, Jesus is helping his disciples, helping us ultimately. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You know what Jesus is telling us? All that I am, that I've gotten from the Father, will be yours in the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit inhabits his people and brings the church of God together and, and makes a witness. Makes, writes a testimony in the lives of his people. We have here, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's ours. 
And so when Jesus gets to Acts 1.8 and he declares, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. You will receive that power because it's the Holy Spirit in you and everything that Jesus is, all that he has, all that he is, is ours. So we can ask a father who loves, Lord, will you act according to to your great name, to your fame? Most of the time, yes. All of the Spirit, the same Spirit that was the moment of creation, let there be light. The same Spirit that was the water coming out of the rock for God's people, the same Spirit that is with Daniel in the lion's den, the same spirit that's with Jonah in the belly of a fish, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is ours. It's ours. That's why scripture comes alive. Because he's there and he's here. And he calls us to be available. Why? Because opportunity in the regular, when we're available, is for Christ's exaltation. So he can be exalted and people can see, verse 10, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. And what's going to come next week in this passage is, God just set up an opportunity, now he's going to explain it. He gives us those moments too. We need to be ready for those. But there's, there's the reward of stepping out like Peter and John did. And I, the reward is the joy of God. When you know, when you've stepped out and you've initiated or continued, taken an opportunity in a conversation with somebody, and, and it just you were saying things you didn't know you knew about the Bible, and you just heard other people say it and stuff, but you knew, like scripture verses were really coming to your mind. <laughs> You've had those moments, and, and when you have the joy of sharing and, and, and being an instrument, of, a useful instrument of God to illuminate the gospel in somebody's life, regardless of what happens on the other side, you walk away, and what do you feel? Wow. God, that was really cool. You provided wonderfully for me. I didn't know where words were coming from. But you provided wonderfully for me to communicate in this person's need or in this person's question who you are. There's the reward of the joy of God when we step out like that. Take hope and courage in this. Your name's not on the line. God's is. And he can handle it. Our biggest fear is stepping out and somebody go, you are an idiot. That is so dumb. Don't we? That's, that's because we're concerned about us. Well, I, I, I'm going to feel weird. Oh, so let me get some excuses and let me try to kind of uh, uh, righteously back up. So when I explain it to somebody, it really looks humble. God's name. He can handle it. Look. The ordinary, the regular happens in relationships in our lives. As I heard about the, again, my heart's been heavy too, past couple days, heavy. I got to pick my kids up from school on Friday. I got to pick them up. 
I got to enjoy them. The closer you get to tragedies like this, you will ultimately find a relational fracture and breakdown. This shooter went in and killed his mother. Obviously, there is a relational breakdown. You, you might be familiar with tragedy in your own life. Somebody close to you, and, and they've done something unheard of. Maybe they've taken their own life. And what do you say? What could I have done? How could I have said something? I remember talking the other day, and oh, don't we long for the opportunity to be back? But now we need to be postured to say, well, God, in the, in the ordinary and in the regular, I want to be listening because I want to see the opportunities. And I want to step into the opportunities because I'm really not concerned. We want to do it lovingly. We don't want to lambast people. We want to do it lovingly. We want to do it carefully. But we want to do it. So we don't have, Lord, help us. We don't have moments where we're wondering, what could I have done? Because the joy that we have is this. I don't have the money to help you. But what I do have is this. In the name of Jesus Christ, what I have, I give to you. The same thing Jesus said to them. What I have, I give to you. So we say, what I have in my limited experience, because I'm going to have all heaven to find out and figure out who God is. But right now, all I have, I give to you. Because I want you to know, I want you to experience the love that I have. Because there's a blessing of healing. And the blessing of healing is the very love of God. Why did God heal this lame man? Why? Because he loved him. And he loves the glory that comes to him and the exaltation of his son. And he loves when his name is broadcast through his people. That's why he wants to heal. That's why he's into the particulars of saying, remember, Luke is writing Acts, and Luke's a doctor, and he writes, he was strengthened in his feet and ankles. You have to say that. But Luke's drawing attention. This man was healed down to the very particulars of his feet and his ankles. And all, all that, that he knew that forms and makes that, that the man had never used but yet he, like Isaiah 35, 6, the lame man shall leap like a deer. This is happening. When we step out, I truly believe we see spirit, we see scripture come alive all the time. God wants to display his love to this man, to Peter and John. Peter and John are available. This man is in a posture of weakness saying, I need something. I think we have both categories this morning. We have some people that need to learn to step out and say, you know what, Lord, I've had this one person on my mind for three weeks, and I've seen him at church, and I feel like you want me to go over and share something with him, but I just, I don't want to sound stupid. We have people like that that need to step out. Look, we have, I, we have a loving church. If it's done awkwardly and with the wrong tone, we can, we can be big boys and girls. And sticks and stones can break our bones. Words won't hurt us. <laughs> but there are also those of us that are lame. And we're in, a, we're in a, a posture of weakness physically. You've been battling something in your physical body for a long time. Uh, and you, maybe you've declared it, maybe you haven't. And you need others to come around you and be faith for you in this season. Maybe it's a long season that you're just weary from. Uh, emotionally lame. Those of us that, that have 
emotions where we, we can't seem to get them under control, a mental capacity in our minds, our emotions seem to take our minds 18 miles down the road where we didn't think we would go, and we're trying to love God, and it's so lame. We have opportunity, spiritually lame. Those of you, that maybe somebody's just wandered in here, just kind of looking to make sense of the world after the situation from Friday in Connecticut. Maybe just somebody's looking around saying, oh, somebody help me, just trying to think through this. Could it be that the Lord has brought you to this point because there's a spiritual paralysis in your own life? The Bible describes that as being separated from him because of our own sin. And he calls us to repent and believe him that Jesus died in our place. And by trusting him, he will come and live inside of us. And everything we've been talking about and reading about and seeing in our minds can be ours forever with God in heaven. As we receive the forgiveness of our sins through Christ, there are many who are relationally lame. Friendships that are fractured, parent-child relationships that are fractured. Work-related relationships that are fractured. Where do you need to experience walking and leaping and praising God? Because they answer all of those. God heals us because he loves us. And remember this. God reserves glory for himself with everything he does in our lives. Just coming up here, Peter and John. Don't look at me like I'm something special here. I just said what I have, I give to him. Because it's Jesus. God reserves glory for himself with the testimony that he writes in our lives. Whether in our availability or in our need, God gets the glory by healing us and using it to declare himself to the world we live in. So we can experience wonder and awe. And the world around us can experience wonder and awe. We have a loving God that wants to heal us. So we are going to spend some time praying for the lame. We're going to spend, I hope, a lot of time this morning praying for the lame. And I, I would invite you, please, take, take this lingering time that we have. Uh, Eric, please, the band, please come up. Um, take this time that we have if, to step out. Please don't disengage mentally and emotionally from this morning. The Lord is calling for us to come into him and lean upon him, the invisible, the great God that we have. He wants to continue writing testimony in our lives. So in whatever category you're experiencing that lameness, uh, we want to pray for physical healing this morning. We want to pray for emotional healing. We want to pray for spiritual healing, we want, uh, spiritual restoration perhaps. Maybe you, you've had a relationship with Christ a long time, but you're living in sin. You know it. Repent. Just come to him. We want to pray for relational lameness that we experience in our lives um, by way of praying for healing. We have two newborns that are in the hospital today. One would be Piper May, who is in ICU this morning with an infection. We need to expect a miracle today in this baby. And Dylan Pratt, who is in the hospital with RSV, we need to expect a miracle. Can we, you, look, it's easier to expect a miracle for somebody else, but I want you to expect a miracle for yourself too. How 
often we don't go to God with the vulnerability that he came to for us. We aren't vulnerable back with him saying, God, I just simply trust you to take care of me. I trust you to love me. So if you are lame and you need healing, please come. Come now. Ask the grandparents to come stand in for the babies because I'd certainly want to do it for my grandbaby. Come. And we're going to spend some time honoring and worshiping the Lord. If you feel led, please feel led to come pray with somebody. Please feel led to share an impression. Let's give the Lord room. Let's step out. Father, we ask for the spirit of your power to come and be with us. May we sense you. May we feel you. May we delight in you today. God, write a testimony this morning. Write a testimony of healing that we can look at this time and know there was a difference and I felt it in me and outlook has changed and, and freshness is there. Perspective has been gained. God, we need you. Bless us. We will not let you go till you bless us. Father, come reveal the love that you've freely given us. Poured from Calvary like a flood, we look to you. Spirit, move and shine your light. Change our hearts and fill our minds with the
Father, you know all our needs long before we even speak. But your heart is what we seek. We look to you. Jesus, come and build a church. Let your gospel fill the earth till the day that you return. We look to you. We look to you. When you 